0: Hi, this is Janet Lansbury. Welcome to Unruffled. Today I'm going to be talking about an approach that I believe in to handling our children's extracurriculars as they grow. So lessons, sports, clubs, other activities. How can we help them navigate these? And how can we navigate them ourselves as parents with our own limited resources and time? How can we make the most of these types of opportunities for our children? Okay, so I think one of the reasons I've hesitated to broach this topic, well, I guess I have in other podcasts touched on it, but I haven't really hit this topic head on because, honestly, I feel like my approach is very unique in that I'm really the only one Even within the communities of people I know who've studied with Magda Gerber or study her approach or follow this way of parenting, I'm sort of the only one that believes in this so strongly, what I'm going to share. I feel like this way of approaching extracurriculars is a very natural extension of what Magda Gerber said in her first principle that we can have basic trust in an infant as an initiator, an explorer, and a self-learner. They know themselves better than we know them. And one of the joys of parenting, of course, is that we get to learn about them. And that's one of the big benefits of this approach I'm going to share. I'm going to call it the wait approach. Just as we waited for our baby to show us what They're going to be reaching for what they want to do with that object, whether they even want that object or they're just reaching out for another reason, checking out the distance between that ball and how far their arm can reach, that we're not making assumptions about children in their play, that we're allowing for that weight, that openness on our part instead of saying, oh, let me give that to her. She must really want it. She's reaching out for it. We wait to see what they're actually wanting to learn about. Rather than me saying, oh, here's some cool toy that I think you should want to learn about right now. Maybe if I have new toys, I'm just putting them in my child's play area for them to discover and decide to choose. So they're not getting this subtle feeling from me that this is what I should want to do right now. Rather than what I really want to do. It's encouraging inner direction. And when we take that approach, it makes for so many wonderful surprises. Oh, I thought for sure my child was going to do that with the blocks. Instead, they lined them all up or who knows? Maybe they were listening to the sound that the block made by hitting different things in their play area, hitting the wall, hitting the floor, hitting another toy. We're opening up to seeing our child a little more clearly. We can do that with their extracurriculars. So instead of even saying to our child, do you want to try this or do you want to try that, we actually wait until the idea comes from them. I mean, that's the really hard part, I guess. And this doesn't mean there's anything wrong with giving your child options, but it's important to understand how influential we are as parents. We are very powerful to our children. And the need to please us is strong, even when they're toddlers and they're rejecting us or they're teenagers and they're pushing us away because developmentally they have to do that to individuate from us. They still, underneath it all, they really want us to be happy with them. They really want us to be proud of them. So when we're offering suggestions like T-ball or don't you want to play the piano or do you want to try this? Even just offering those can sometimes, with some children, it can indicate my parent wants me to do this. But if we wait for our child to actually share their wish with us or their idea with us of something that they want to do, and of course, if we can make that happen, we may not be able to with the resources that we have or the time that we have but if we can, then it really pays off. Here's some of the ways. We never waste our money or our time signing children up for things that they end up not enjoying, that we end up having to maybe coax them to or drag them to, or maybe they get there and they don't participate. All of these things parents share with me can be avoided. If we really leave it up to our child, to be the one to tell us what they want to do because they know. And in my experience with three children and with the other parents I know that follow this approach, they always benefit. Even if they end up not staying with it for that long, they always benefit from it when it's their choice. It's like the way that we choose to take a course rather than feeling like, oh, we have to take this course to get our degree or to get the job that we want when we actually want to take the course we get so much more out of it when we want to learn a new hobby or a sport we get excited about that we're we're engaged and it's that engagement that causes us to learn so much more be encouraged as a learner so we actually enjoy the process of learning besides learning that specific subject we're gaining confidence in our abilities in our choices, and validation that learning, which is such an important aspect of life, learning is rich, learning is fun, learning is exciting. We're all born with this ability to do this, but as a child, those messages that come from inside of us, those messages of what we want to do can get a little muddled when we want to do it because our parent is smiling about it or because our parents seems to think that it's cool, or that we should want to do it. I've never known my children to come up with an idea that wasn't valid for them at that time, something that would actually enrich them. You know, these are called enrichment, these activities, and they're enriching if our child is drawn to them. But if not, they can be a source of disinterest, they can be a source of Maybe feelings of failure and disappointment in themselves. And another benefit for us, just on a practical level, if you're anything like me, setting boundaries, I know I talk about it all the time, and that's because I had to learn this. It's not my natural way to be a boss, to be a leader with children, to want people to do things that they're saying they don't want to do or stop them from doing things that they do want to do. Even though I know how important it is, and I really had to step up and learn all this, I have a limited amount of, I guess you could call it boss juice. And if I had to use up some of that juice on getting my kids to go to practice, getting them to go to a class that I signed them up for for six weeks, getting them to stay on that team, to finish their commitment, if all of that was up to me, I couldn't do it. I couldn't the place that I have to go in myself to step up to try to make my child do something when they're pushing back. I find it exhausting. But when we wait, when we use this wait philosophy and allow children to choose and allow them to to navigate this journey, uh, which is really a life journey and a journey of their passions, right? Their essence exploring itself. Then I get to go along for the ride. Just like I do when I practice observing and being responsive in children's play, but I don't put myself in the position of being the teacher or entertainer. This can continue. And this is like my favorite part of parenting. So of course I want it to continue, but also because I just don't want to be that person trying to drag kids. And I've worked with so many parents that have gotten themselves stuck there and it's not fun. So to my mind, it's it's not necessary, and we can wait right from the beginning and not get them started in something that is a little bit more our agenda than theirs. And the cool surprises and the things that children choose, just like the way that they play so differently than we might expect, they'll surprise us with their choices in extracurriculars. This can be outside of school as children get older, or it can be Choices that they make at that school, like did they want to be on this team or what language did they want to choose to study? Anytime that they have choices in their learning, I believe in honoring that and opening up those green lights for them because, you know, there's so many red and yellow lights. The more green lights we can give them, the easier it is for them to accept the red and yellow lights. So we get to learn about them see their choices, be surprised, sometimes amazed, get these glimpses of their essence. You know, it's questionable how appropriate it is for a child to start taking a lesson when they're only two or three or even four. They're still benefiting so much from their self-directed play. Lessons or sports can take time away from that. For children of all ages, free play is therapeutic. It gives them the opportunity to assimilate all the experiences, including educational experiences that they've had. It allows children to daydream, to learn to entertain themselves with less, enjoy being with themselves. This is a gift for life. And so in that sense, structured activity agendas, they take time away from these other types of play and learning that really matter most. And the onus is off of us to try to direct this journey which maybe for some different personalities than me, that's a disappointment or a problem. For me, it's a gift. The more I can go along for the ride and enjoy and not have to be the director, the better. I want to keep learning about and understanding my child. So another benefit is that allowing children to choose and waiting for them to do that is the best way to gauge their readiness. Magda Gerber said... Readiness is when they do it. And in this case, readiness can also be when they express a desire to do it that comes from them. Oftentimes children, we put them into classes and parents will ask me about, oh, other children seem to be listening. My child isn't. My child wants to go do their own thing. They don't want to join in. But when a child brings something up that they want to do, and I'm gonna talk about how that even happens because I can hear parents feeling like, well, my child's not gonna bring this up. When they bring it up themselves, when it comes from them, that means that they are ready. It means that they're ready to take direction from others, which you know doesn't happen usually until at least, at least three years old, often older, that maybe they're ready for that kind of teamwork feeling, that they're ready to participate in a team, ready to compete. A lot of these sports, there's competing. And if some people think competition is a bad thing, I don't agree with that. It's a positive thing when children are ready for it. When they choose it, it almost always means that they feel ready for it. But if they're doing these activities even a little bit for us then they lose the game or they struggle with the skill. That hurts harder than if they've chosen this this challenge themselves. It's still going to hurt, and they learn to deal with that, but it, it can hurt much more when it feels like, oh, I'm letting my parents down. And another benefit, this feeling of being trusted, trust in our children that they know themselves, that we're giving them free reign to decide some of these things. It empowers them. It builds self-confidence, but it is challenging. I know it's so challenging. We're getting peer or societal pressure. Your child should be doing this, and my child's doing that, and aren't they doing this? And I hear about it from parents, whether it's just other parents, or maybe other people that want to sell their programs to you. So that's one of the challenges we face, To clarify this even more for yourself and combat some of the peer pressure around putting children into activities, David Elkin has a wonderful book, The Hurried Child, with a lot of information on this topic. Another challenge we might face is our own natural eagerness, and I have this, for my children to enjoy some of the experiences that I did. I just want them to get to do that now. It's really, really hard to wait. And again, none of this is make or break. If you don't want to wait, this is just my suggestion that as you can hear in my voice, I totally believe in, but you've got to go with what resonates with you, what feels right to you. And I'm not even trying to sell you on this. I'm just offering it because it's been so helpful to me on this path with my children. And I see it as so helpful to them. So how could I not share something that feels so good to me? And I think when we're challenging ourselves to try to trust, we can have that sports equipment or those instruments or those craft materials or art materials at home for our children to experiment with at any time. And we can see what they're drawn to, or we can even try to show them something and see if they pick up on it. But children will, if they have those interests, they will explore them at home or at their friend's house. If they love to dance, then they're going to dance at home. And they're going to make up dances and it will be creative for them. They don't lose interest by not taking a class that puts structure on these activities for them. They don't lose the interest by not doing that. But they can sometimes lose interest or lose confidence in themselves around that particular talent that they might have or interest that they might have when they go into something structured where they have to conform to whatever's going on in that group, in that class, or with that teacher that they're not ready for because they haven't chosen it. It can turn them off, unfortunately. And I think we can all relate to this when something that we just love doing as a hobby is fun. And then now I've got to do it and I've got to do it sort of this way that these people want me to do. And now it's not fun anymore. So children are very impressionable that way, much more than we are as adults and what this weight approach does is helps them to stay in tune with that voice inside that sense of themselves and their inner direction their calling or callings if it's in them it will naturally build but putting that structure on children's natural desires and talents too early can have a negative effect so how do we do this children catch wind of ideas hobbies and sports and things through books, maybe other media through their friends and we could still maybe expose them if we're, you know, afraid that they don't know something exists that they might really enjoy. But interestingly, the thing I've noticed about readiness is that it really seems to coincide with children being naturally exposed. For example, they hear about that sport or instrument or type of art through a friend or a book or other media that sort of happens and coincides with them being ready for it. So when they're at those ages where they don't hear about those things or they don't uh, relate them to themselves, maybe that there's a child in a book that does ballet, but you know I don't consider that as something I want to do yet because I'm actually not ready for that. I'm not ready to benefit from that. And that's really what this is. It's not about that we're damaging them by putting them in that ballet class at two years old because we really want to see them in the tutu and enjoy that as a parent. It's not that we're harming them, but they're probably not going to benefit from it. And it might turn them off. So I think if we do want to approach those things that way, just even acknowledging this is for me can help us to stay clear on the difference between our child's inner-directed desires and ours for them. So our child, let's say, brings up that they want to do something or they ask about it. The next thing I would do is take my child to go see what that really looks like. So their image of dance class, let's say, because we were talking about that, Their image of what a dance class is like from a book or something might be very different from what it's really like. So I would take them to go watch the actual class. Or if the people in charge let them try one class, they could do that. No strings attached. Still seeing this in a wide open way as parents. But just to be more sure that they know what they're getting into so that it is beneficial and a setup for success for them. Keeping that open mind and open heart of trust for our children, really hard. But one of the gifts that this experience of raising children can give us. Okay, here's one question that I did get on Instagram. Uh, This parent says, Would you consider discussing children's activities and balancing their desire to try a lot of different things and not overloading them? Also, societal pressure parents may feel to do everything. My oldest children are six and four, and we homeschool, and somehow our schedule seems overwhelming at times, but I can't seem to drop anything. Piano, soccer, t-ball, etc. All the while, they're wanting to try martial arts. Thank you. Your work has changed my life. I definitely would not enjoy parenthood this much as a stressed-out military wife and mother of children with neurodiversity if it weren't for your content and guidance. So that was nice of her. Um, so this is a high-level problem, right? It's a privilege to be able to offer children any extracurriculars, especially this many, and that her children are so engaged and interested in all these different activities is cool. I think what I would do is, first of all, consider what works for you, number one, because the most important thing is that we don't feel like a harried, accommodating parent. That's the self-care in this, right? We don't bite off more than we can chew. We know that downtime, home time, is a very positive, beneficial experience and that children aren't going to lose out if they don't go to a class. They're not going to lose out on a talent, cultivating a talent. That interest will remain with them. What I would do if I did have all these options and my child kept wanting to do more things, I would observe how engaged our child is in these experiences. And sometimes it's not even just the activity itself. It's the relationships that they're making through those experiences with the other children, with the coaches or the teachers. From there, I would ask them what matters most to them. Certainly the six-year-old could answer that. And I would ask them to choose because they can always do something else later. I mean, the positive with a lot of team sports is that they end up being seasonal, so children can maybe do community sports through the year. So I would ask your child to choose what what matters most to them. Also using your own experience of observing that child and their interest and their engagement in the activity. Of course, if they were the ones to choose it from the beginning, there's probably a lot more chance that they're more engaged in that. Now, just to speak one more time to the societal pressure thing, here's how I feel. There's never going to be a better reason in our lives to practice ignoring societal and peer pressure, putting it in its place, than in this experience, this journey of nurturing and building relationships with our children. And I would look at, where is this pressure actually coming from? Why is it coming at me? Pressure can only work on us if we allow ourselves to be open to it. For me, you know, I was learning and resonating with Magda Gerber's approach. It was so out there at the time. It was so different that I learned to jump off that societal pressure track very early on. I knew what I was doing was different, and I became very confident and proud of what I was doing. That's what I'm hoping for all parents. I want you to feel confidence in your choices. I want you to feel self-reliant. My hope is that you will cultivate your very own unique parenting model and feel proud modeling it for others when others doubt you or disagree or try to convince you that you should validate their choices for whatever reason. Hold on to yours. Be that person who believes in yourself so that you can believe in your children. Keep your focus on what matters most, the relationships you're building, how much you're enjoying this time of life, seeing your children thrive overall in the ups and downs that they're going to experience discovering themselves. We can do this. Please check out some of the other podcasts on my website, janetlansbury.com. They're all indexed by subject and category, so you should be able to find whatever topic you might be interested in. And both of my books are available in paperback at Amazon, No Bad Kids, Toddler Discipline Without Shame, and Elevating Childcare: A Guide to Respectful Parenting you can get them in ebook at amazon, apple, google play or barnesandnoble.com and in audio at audible.com as a matter of fact you can get a free audio copy of either book at audible by following the link in the liner notes of this podcast thanks so much for listening